And uh, is this happening? Is yes, yeah, say something loud and something soft, so our engineer Bill can tell us if it sounds good. Loudly, I'll say I love you, Bill. Softly, I'll say sometimes I have to work hard to maintain that love. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Let's say welcome to Speakeasy. <laughs> And here's the part where I introduce myself. I'm Rico. And I'm Brendan. And this is Speakeasy. And for those who haven't heard one, this is when we uh, play you some stuff that we didn't put on our regular radio show. Uh, you know, interviews, outtakes, stuff that you haven't heard before. And we talk about it off the cuff, a.k.a. speak easily about it. The DPD basement tapes. Yeah. It's kind of like Dylan, but with more mellifluous voices. But better than Dylan. I Tons. Mean, more insightful. And, yep. Much more um, brief. Yes. Uh, to that end, let's get right to our first clip, which comes from Ellie Kemper, who uh, was so such a wonderful guest and was featured a few weeks back. She's the comedian, of course. And we, I spoke with her for like 30 minutes. She was wonderful and had so many fun things to say. It was hard to choose what to include on our radio show. May I correct you? You talked um, to her for about an hour. I kept coming in. We were supposed to tape right afterwards, and every time I came in, it was like, no, I think they need 10 more minutes. We created a little mutual appreciation society. It's um, nice. But she's so smart and wonderful, and that's part of what I was talking to her about. Actually, we're about to hear this clip. I was talking to her about how she's cast often as this kind of Midwestern person in Bridesmaids, yeah. uh, in The Office, and now in Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, this kind of bright, cheery character. Yes, this stereotypical Midwesterner. And I asked her about, you know, is it hard to kind of play that role? Because you're from that place and you know it's much more complex. Huh. And then we were talked about how she had a background in improv comedy. And I was like, well, improv comedy is a place where you don't have to worry about whether or not you're stereotyping because they actually groove on kind of severity yeah. and non-political correctness. And pushing everything to the limit. Like stereotypes, let's go there exactly. all the way. <laughs> exactly. That's our stereotype of comics. Yeah. <laughs> so I just made a comment. I'm like, that's a world where you don't have to be PC. And this little exchange ensued. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think there's really any holds any bars hold any holds barred. Any holds bar, yeah. Any bars held up. You can't hold and bars. You can't hold the bar, but you wow. can bar. You can raise the, the bar. You can raise the roof. Yeah. You okay. can go to the bar afterwards. Bar and after about the it. improv yeah. show. That's yeah. what it was. But barring any. But barring any. With you. Yeah. <laughs> so in that way, uh, I think it's refreshing. I think we came up with an answer. I think it was gobbledygook, <laughs> uh, which which is it's funny because my next question yep. is so you went to Princeton. Mm hmm. And you studied English. I did. And then you went to Oxford. <laughs> Despite what I, how I just sounded, I yes. <laughs> I, did. I know. I'm sure your, your professor yes. is really delighted. Susan Wolfson is just like, that's my girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's not listening to us she, right well, now. Well, no, she probably oh, is. Oh, she probably is. Yeah. NPR, yeah. yeah. I love all of the assumptions being made. Speaking of stereotypes, that all English professors <laughs> definitely listen to NPR. At Princeton, they probably do. And second of all, I just love that how you, we just listened to about a minute of conversation that just a Amounted to nothing. <laughs> this is just a bunch, a bunch of riffing yeah. and gobbledygook. But it's delightful. How does she? Well, do you know it? why? Now you know why it took an hour for us because we <laughs> both true. Ellie and I can speak gobbledygook, and we did for a while. So. Yeah, you were really um, vibing. Thanks for patiently waiting for us in the wings, there, Rico. By the way, we didn't uh, say for those who don't know, she's on the uh, she's on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix, mm -hmm. which you should watch. Very my funny show. My parents started watching it, and they're rather elderly, and they love it. But they they were like, I don't understand the theme song. Because they don't understand. <laughs> For those who haven't seen it, the theme song is an auto-tune the news style riff mm -hmm. on the plot of the show. And they don't know what auto-tune the news is. It's an amazing theme song. I think we might even have that in our audio folder. We could call it up right now and play a clip of it. Unbreakable. Hey, alive, damn it. It's a miracle. Unbreakable. 
you know, uh, fascinating transition. Damn it! Magic. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> you want to hear so... Ronald Reagan say something right now? Check it no, out. I want Mr. To... Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Boom. I think we should just release an autotune version of our show. Actually, autotune's two years yeah. old, so let's not do that. Yeah. Uh, Rico. It's our next clip we're about to set up. Talk about it. Uh, this is us talking with Cameron Esposito, the fantastic stand-up comedian. Go and listen to the etiquette segment that we taped with her because it was very funny. But here's something you did not hear from that conversation. Right before we started taping, uh, Cameron was in the studio with me, and she mentioned something about how diminutive a person she is. And I said, even though I'm a tall person, I understand what it must feel like to be a diminutive person because... Brendan and I were on the TV show Top Chef as judges. Mm -hmm. And on mm -hmm. that show, the host, Curtis Stone, is like six foot eight inches tall. He's an enormous giant of a mm -hmm. man. Brendan is something mm -hmm. like, say, what are you, 6'3"? I'm 6'3", yeah. yeah. I am 6'1". Now, 6'1 is not small, but on I'm... television, I'm standing next to Brendan and Curtis Stone. I look like a shrimp. <laughs> anyway, uh, I told her that story, and then Cameron said this. Uh, number one thing people say to me, when I get off stage is, why do you talk about being a lesbian so much? Number two thing is, <laughs> you're smaller than I thought you were. But that, I get that all the time. Isn't that what they it's always say to stars, though? Yeah, that's what they say to stars, which is why they say that to me. Yes. He's a star, Rico. When when Tom Cruise and I walk in the room, they're always like, Cameron, you are smaller. Oh, yeah. Tom, hello. You know. Yeah. They always greet him second. You know what my favorite thing about Top Chef was? I was, I was sweating. I was nervous. I was wearing a blue shirt. And then they grab a box of maxi pads. And they cut them in yep. half. They're like, we'll tape these under your armpits. That's real. Yep. Well, yeah. what color? Wait, what color blue? It was just like a lighter blue. It was lighter a, it was blue. A lighter blue. The, honestly, honestly, I don't mean, we don't even know each other, mm -hmm. but like such a rookie mistake. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you cannot wear blue on television because you right? will sweat. Yeah. You will sweat through it. Yeah. You could wear maybe like the darkest navy. Is yeah. it only blue that that it does? It is so stressful. No, I think any of those like kind of heathered colors you know what i mean like I a, don't. Mm -hmm. oh sh did, come on well, you, you know you read the j crew catalog <laughs> hey I, all i know is that i looked weird because i had maxi pads with wings under my and, arms i couldn't put my and arms was the down. reason you looked weird because you kept saying i have maxi pads under my arms <laughs> no it's because the shirt they bulged up i looked like a reverse football player <laughs> um, with, with shoulder pads under my arms well you know what you should have done is shaved your and honestly maybe you already do but you should have shaved yeah. your armpits mm. so that i should have then it would have do you know what i mean you would have reduced yeah. one of the bulks yeah oh. so then that wouldn't have been a problem these are a lot of pro tips these are a lot of pro tips i guess you should have me on speed dial for <laughs> some for advice grooming, for tv grooming Oh, Cameron Esposito. I hope we could. Do we have her on speed dial, Jackson? Can we put her on speed dial? Jackson in the booth, our producer. He says, no, we're not allowed to just call her randomly for fashion tips. Mm. Oh, well, I'm going to do it anyway. No, absolutely. And I now shave my armpits. So <laughs> thank you great. for that. We learned a lot from this show. It changes us. So Cameron Esposito, great guest, fun times. And then what, what's our last? Well, we have a couple clips. Next one is Michael McKean. Yeah. Right? Why don't you tell the people who Michael McKean is because you're very excited to have him on the show. That is Lenny from <laughs> Lenny and Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley, which is a very old TV show, but a real powerful TV show. Yeah. Um, for those of a certain age. And he was also was the guy from Spinal Tap. Uh-huh. The front um, the David St. Hubbins he played in, in Spinal Tap, the lead singer. But as Lenny, I remember at the beginning of Laverne and Shirley, they actually were part of the credit sequence. And Lenny and Squiggy at one point both turned their heads to uh, ogle. Oh, yeah. It's like a couple of, of attractive women walk by and they kind of turn their heads to look at them. And then, like, Lenny, I just remember, bites his hand. <laughs> 
<laughs> he like, like he's trying to suppress his desire for them. He's like, wow. Like he's got to like he bites his hand to kind of stop himself. Which really made a big impression on me, and I bit my hand for years. <laughs> really, like as a little bad. kid, you'd bite your hand. Yeah, I thought it was funny. I was like, you'd see like when I really like something, I'd bite my hand. <laughs> still happens. Did anybody understand what you were doing or they were like, we really need to send Brendan to, a, I think, a therapist and no, he's biting himself? They were like, that's why I needed a retainer and braces <laughs> and had buck teeth. So thank this you for that, Michael McKean. Yep. Great job, Laverne and Shirley. Uh, well, anyway, he was on the show talking about a very different kind of role. He's I think he's still on stage right now at the Mark Taper Forum in uh, the Pulitzer-nominated play called Father Comes Home from the Wars. It's quite a drama and actually very worth seeing if you live in Los Angeles. But right before we wrapped up, I think we were just talking about the nature of celebrity, kind of, and the this crazy things that people say when they recognize you as a celebrity. And he told this story, which I found very amusing. In 2012, I was uh, standing on the corner, 86th and Broadway in New York, and uh, a couple of cars collided and took me out as collateral damage. So oh I you know, broke my leg and I was in the hospital, blah, blah, blah. A month and a half later or so, one of my first outings, we needed to get something from PR Richards, I think it's called. It's an appliance store on Broadway, right where the accident happened. So I'm on my cane, and I walk in, and there's a guy who's working as the greeter there. You know, he's, he's also a salesman. So the guy sees me come in, and he says, oh, hi, yeah, you were the one who was hit by the car over here. Yeah, got taken I out. said, yeah, yeah, that's what happened. I was, oh, yeah, and I recognize you. Yeah, I, I really like some of your work. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you just say all of it? Just, <laughs> no. just for the guy that got right. hit by a car. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I I love this guy now. We see him all the time when we go in there. Really? It's like, oh, he's the only one I'll let wait on me. I love him. You know that you can trust him anyway. He's <laughs> Absolutely tell you the right. Truth. Yep. That is amazing to me. That And it reminds me, do you remember when we had John C. Riley on the show, Brendan? Yes. He he told the story. Yes, I know. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. He said, this is what happens to me all the time. People would come up to him and they say, hey, aren't you John C. Riley? Yeah. Weren't you in XYZ movie? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, see, that seems more upsetting because like, why even bring that up? But yeah. I think it's actually by being honest to Michael, you can actually earn his friendship. Apparently right? Because- so. I'm looking at his IMDb now. Uh, let's see. He did voices on Thundercats. Oh, yeah. He the voice of Voltaire on two episodes. Wow. Maybe that guy didn't like that. And what, he's going to lie and say he did? I don't think it's that's... It's true, but I mean, when does it get... Cast your mind back. When was the last time you met somebody for the first time and the first thing you said to them was, yeah, only part of what you do appeals to me? But I like it because I think <laughs> he had something in mind. It means he knows him so well that uh, there's actually things he's withholding. You know, he's like, oh, yeah. you know, I didn't think you were so great in Candor City Hospital which I'm saying he was in a short movie called that. I, de- you know. <laughs> I definitely think that it is people that are overcompensating. It's kind of like, oh, they hear all the time how great they are. What they'll really appreciate uh-huh. is someone who tells it like it is. Mm. Uh, well, it could be a version of, of negging, oh, too, you know. The, the pickup tactic where you're purposely negative. Would Michael McKean be telling a story about the guy who was like, I love your work? Mm. He would not. Good point. He's stuck in his head. So what we've learned so there is you go. be kind of vaguely mean to somebody when you meet them and they will appreciate it and trust you. Hey, story of my life, secret <laughs> to my charm. <laughs> it worked. You're right. Um, That's why you and I are friends. <laughs> Uh, what's our last thing? Well, speaking of New York City, not far from where Michael McKean was hit by a cab or car or whatever happened to him. There's a statue there now. A statue. There's a statue there of him biting his hand, uh, <laughs> holding a cane with the other hand. Uh, we did a live show with Jessica Williams, Dick Cavett, 
Uh, we played some of that for listeners a week or so back. But we also had the wonderful musician Emmy the Great. Oh, yes. She did a live soundtrack. So she played for us covers of songs that she would play at a dinner party. Mm. And it was really cool. We'd never done anything like that live. And which song are we going to play here, Rico? Because we're going we're to play one of her cover songs. Yes. And it's, it's really fascinating. She decided to play it. Well, let's put it this way. It, you will recognize it as the Cranberries song, Dreams. Which mm-hmm. is probably right. in every romantic comedy movie trailer made since about 1991. Oh, my That's the one. Like but she mm-hmm. is covering specifically a version of that song that appeared as the closing credits in a film called Chungking Express. Which is a Hong Kong film that came out, I believe, in the mid to late 90s. And interestingly, Emmy the Great was born in Hong Kong. Uh, her mother's Chinese. All right. Well, that would explain why she does such an excellent uh, cover of this version of The Cranberries' Dreams by Fei Wang.
Thank you. That was Emmy the Great. It was such a fun night. Yes. yes. Backed up by uh, guitarist Jeff Fettig and uh, herself. She was doing all of those voices, just using some sort of looping device. It was really a wonder to behold. So thanks to everybody who showed up to that show and to her for coming. Thank you, Emmy the Great. Also, you sh- everyone should go Google search uh, First Love, which is one of her first singles, yeah. uh, which is a really well-written, wonderful pop song. Great video as well. Um, Folks, we should note there's a lot more stuff from that live show we recorded in New York City that you have yet to hear, but you will hear them on future episodes of Speakeasy, so stay tuned for that. And I think that's it for the Speakeasy, you know? Um, You got to say earlier that you love Bill, so I would like to say I love our audience. Is that all right? That's weird. Okay. No, that's actually not all right. Okay. Do you really love everybody? Do you think, stop and think about it? uh, In theory, I love everybody. <laughs> no, I think you want everyone to love you, so you say you love everybody. Mm. That's what I think. Well, but, we'll talk about this um, offline. Yeah, maybe we should put the speakeasy ending music right here. Yeah.